Hello and welcome to Versa 4 Podcast. I'm Isaac. And I'm Mary. We're humanities students using this podcast to ask some of the biggest questions in society today. Here we are already on our second episode. Thank you so much to everyone who's listening. Thank you. We hope you'll enjoy our chat today and let us know what your thoughts are at the end of the episode. We love engaging with different opinions and discussions. And rather than going through our own opinions on these subjects, we want to know your ideas. Which is why, before we get into today's topic, we'd like to start by listening to some of your opinions about our last episode, where we talked about animal ethics. In our last episode, we asked how you think we should be treating animals and why. Don't forget to go and have a listen to that episode if you haven't already, or you can find out more about it on our website. We've had some great responses. Thank you so much, everyone. We do read and appreciate them all. So we heard from someone who said, I like animals. I think we all have to be kind to them, as it is a reflection of how you treat other objects and people too. Animal abuse is a gateway to other kinds of cruelty. This idea of animal abuse being a gateway is really interesting, I think. And there's some philosophies we brought into this that's like Kantian. Um, Kant was a German philosopher from the Enlightenment period, which is around the 1700s. He wrote about this idea that even though animals aren't the same as humans, if we all treated them badly, we'd sort of be used to being bad people. If we were violent to animals all the time, that might become part of our disposition. And therefore, that would be how we treated humans. So a lot of the time when we think, oh, someone who hurts animals is a bad person, it's partly because we know it just seems to be in their nature to hurt things, to cause suffering and be unpleasant. That's not a description of a very nice person. Whereas someone who's constantly gentle and goes out their way to look after animals is likely to have the same attitudes towards humans. It is a really interesting thought that the way we treat animals should be similar to humans, not necessarily because we have an obligation to do that to animals, but we have the obligation to our fellow humans to just be good people. And so we should be good to everyone, including animals. Thank you very much for writing in. Now, let's get into today's topic, freedom. Isaac, I know you're hugely interested in the study of human rights. Absolutely. It makes sense that when we're talking about freedom and liberty today, we'll start by asking what our actual human rights around freedom are. Well, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was written in 1948, after the Second World War ended and the United Nations was created. Article 1 of the Declaration says, All humans are born free and equal in dignity and rights. Then Article 5 says that everyone has the right to life, liberty and security of the person. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights has remained a key pillar of universal human rights norms that has been followed by human rights institutions like the Human Rights Council, mechanisms such as Universal Periodic Review and instruments such as the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Basically, the Declaration kick-started our modern standard of universal human rights. We'll get into the definition of freedom a little bit later on, because there's actually a lot to discuss there. But overall, we've established here that all people have human rights, and a key human right is the right to be free, to essentially be in charge of our own actions. It's also worth mentioning the meaning of the word liberty. It's used interchangeably with freedom a lot, I've noticed, and it's basically the right to be free of oppression, 
or things that restrict us being in charge of what we do. That's the basics of these rights. Later on in 1998, the UK published the Human Rights Act, and Article 10 of this act had two parts. In part one, it gave everyone freedom of expression. And in part two, it goes on to talk about the idea that freedom comes with duties and responsibilities. I've got it here. It says that freedom may be subject to such formalities, conditions, restrictions, or penalties that are prescribed by law and are necessary in a democratic society. Yeah, exactly. It's basically saying that we do have a human right to freedom. In particular here, we're talking about freedom of speech as well. But to be part of a democratic society, there has to be consequences to our actions. Certain actions are restricted by law, and we're technically free to do them. But to keep society functioning, our actions have to have consequences. I suppose that's going back to this idea that we're all free and equal. To live in a society where we can have this, there has to be consequences if a person freely chooses to do an action which restricts another person's freedom or equal status in society. This is where we start to hear about ideas of paternalism. Paternalism is this idea that the government has a right or even a duty to make decisions for us, which sometimes go against our choices or freedoms because it's for our own good. And bear in mind, we are discussing a democratically elected government in a functioning democracy. So what counts as paternalism? Well, to make it a bit clearer, let's imagine two siblings, Sally and John. John's very reckless. He drives his car too fast. Sally's always worrying about him crashing and something terrible happening to him. If Sally wants to stop him, how does she act paternalistically, Isaac? Well, to do something paternalistic, first Sally tries to do something for John's own good. She's making a choice he isn't able to make for himself. Secondly, the main reason she's doing it is because she thinks it's for his own good. And lastly, she ignores the possibility that John thinks this idea is terrible. Some people think that paternalism even allows us to do something bad. Maybe a paternalistic act involves having to coerce or deceive someone, say by breaking moral rules, like lying. Which might be seen as morally wrong, but it's done for John's own good. What if Sally steals his keys? It's morally wrong, but it will stop John driving recklessly and crashing into a tree, which would not be good. No. Drive safe, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) There are lots of different opinions about paternalism. J.S. Mill thought that paternalism was never a good idea, because the only person to really know what's best for us is ourselves, and we should always have the freedom to exercise our own choice. He basically thought that what makes us valuable is the way that we make our own free choices. But even someone as strongly opposed to paternalism as Mill thought we should be restricted from doing things, such as selling ourselves into slavery and restricting future free choice. So even if you're strongly against restrictions on actions, you might have to make room for parts of paternalism. I love that. I love the thought of Mill being like, no, you can never have paternalism. And then someone goes, wait a second. What if I want to sell myself into slavery? And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to make this choice for you that you can't do that. <laughs> it makes it's against your free will, but it's to protect your free will. It's for your own. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Paternalism has the potential to protect us from ourselves and other people who might be a danger to us. It's designed to restrict freedom in the best interest of us all. I do find it really interesting thinking about how laws generally are paternalistic. 
they tell us what to do. They restrict our freedom about things like how fast we drive our car because it benefits everyone. Laws are a way of the government saying this is a freedom that comes with constraints and it helps you live in a better society. Some people might ask how we know the government is making the right decisions for us. Now, in theory, this is because we're holding them to account, surely. Like, laws are made in a, in a parliament, supposedly of democratically elected leaders. And this is our way of holding lawmakers account. But there's still a lot of debate about how much we should allow people to make decisions for us and how we know what the right decisions are. I think that's a, I think that's a good point because that is a possible uh, consequence of representative democracy that we live in that we may actually allow uh, more paternalism uh, you know through because you know we elect politicians to make decisions on our behalf and you know to, uh, to, you know, to uh, use deliberation to reach uh, decisions but mm. the thing is that if we allow more paternalism through then are we sacrificing more of our liberties yeah I don't know what it's, uh, it's would possible. we be more free if we all just lived in caves and <laughs> and I mean, there were no laws but then we'd all live in caves and there'd be no laws and we wouldn't be able to I don't know, buy sweets <laughs> yeah, would be very very weird I mean I'm glad we have a social contract of some sort <laughs> if it exists in general, glad there's a society absolutely <laughs> but yeah on, on, that, on that point though you know, I think a good question to ask uh, is how strong should paternalistic restriction be how much should be limited and how can we measure restrictions against ourselves for the good of other people? There's constant political and parliamentary debate about government powers and new laws. And this is usually either because of different opinions on the powers that the government should have to restrict public freedoms or the different ideas about what's good for society and what goods are worth restricting freedoms or how our freedoms should be restricted. There's a lot of questions going on with paternalism. There really is. And I think it's interesting considering the difference between restrictions on our behaviour by promising consequences. Like we were physically free, for example, to break lockdown rules, but laws meant that there was a consequence to doing this. This is different from the idea of stopping us being physically free to break lockdown rules, such as if we were all locked in our own houses. The level of paternalism might be considered too weak because it often fails to stop people being harmed. And as a result, people argue that there should be stronger restrictions. Benefiting society as a whole or protecting an individual from themselves seems like two different justifications. What kind of consequences do justify someone intervening with another person's freedom? We're looking at what kind of consequences justify interfering, intervening with another person's freedom. And we're wondering how strong paternalism should be we're wondering how we know what the right paternalistic acts are. But this is all framing the argument as if paternalism is a threat to freedom. Is it really a challenge to our liberty? Paternalism and freedom might be able to work hand in hand. No one really walks around saying that we have to live in a lawless society to be free. So we've established what liberty in society looks like. Another thing people often question is whether that freedom is really there. Isaiah Berlin talked about the two types of liberty, didn't he? Positive and negative freedoms. Negative freedom is this lack of interference in a person's life. You're free if no one is stopping you from doing something. 
Whereas positive freedom is actually being able to act. This comes down to a question of, do we really have freedom if we aren't given the opportunity to do something, if we aren't physically able to do it? You might say you're free now to go to London and stay there as long as you like. No one will stop you, and that's fine, if you can pay for the train ticket to get there. Because no one's stopping you, you have this idea of negative freedom, a lack of interference in your life. But you don't have positive freedom. You don't have the ability to act if you don't have the money to buy the train ticket. The main consideration here is that money and other circumstances often come with an ability to act, which not everyone shares. Do you think this affects how we should define being truly free? And if it does, what does it mean that our right to freedom should entail? For more information on these topics, you'll find explainers and resources over on our website. When considering freedom today, we've established our rights to it and asked some core questions about its nature and relationship with society. How much are you comfortable with freedom being restricted? What do you think justifies people doing so? And most importantly, what do you think it means to be free? There's a lot to think about concerning our right to freedom and its relationship to living in society. This has been our own introduction into the huge topic of freedom. We hope that whilst you've been listening, you've been talking back, maybe even shouting back at us in your head or out loud with your own questions or answers. Please do take a moment to let us know your thoughts. Maybe you think there's another question we should be asking or different politics and ideas we should be factoring in. If you do let us know your thoughts, please make it clear if you don't want us to include your opinion in the next show. Otherwise, we might read out your thoughts anonymously at the beginning of the next episode. To get in touch, send us an email at thoughtpodcast at gmail.com or head to our website www.thereasathoughtpodcast.wordpress.com to find the details of our social media and send us a message over there. You can find all of this in the podcast description. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and follow us online to keep up to date with new episodes and content. For now, we've been Isaac and Mary on There's a Thought Podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed our discussion of freedom. There's a Thought Podcast was created and presented by Isaac Brewer and Mary Crawshaw, as well as being produced by Mary Crawshaw. Join us next week for our discussion of arguing to prove the existence of God.